God is good. And all the time. Amen. He is good. Uh, it's, uh, it's so good to be here. Uh, we were just here, I don't know, like two months ago for statewide youth service. And so um, it's really great to be back at your church. Um, now I know this is like mostly SCC youth, but um, I think a lot of you were there um, as well. So it's really good to be here. Um, it's great to spend this evening with you, with your leadership team, um, and with Bethany Bible School. It's, uh, it's really an honor and... Um, uh, I trust that it has been a special evening for you. It's been a special evening for me. Um, Bethany Bible School is going to be here for a few more days. And uh, I would encourage you to join them for their other services. Uh, two of them are going to be a little bit further up north in Marysville and Everett tomorrow and Friday. But Thursday, they're going to be at Church of Grace. And, I mean, that's just down the street in Renton. So I would encourage you to get down there, uh, meet some of these people um, I've had the privilege of spending time with them in Sacramento at their Bible school, and we had such a great time, and these are some wonderful, wonderful people. So I would encourage you, um, after service, don't be a stranger, you know, come up to them, um, get to know them, meet them. Uh, they are really some uh, incredible young men and women. Uh, I want to share uh, a short message with you tonight. Uh, it comes out of uh, the letter to Philippians, uh, chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, uh, I would ask that you join me in the reading of Scripture. Um, I don't know if you know this, but the letters um, that Paul wrote are arranged in order of length. Um, so Philippians is going to be right there somewhere in the middle. Philippians chapter 3 is where we're looking. Uh, verses 12 to 14. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own uh, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal and the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I really loved when, uh, I think that was Margarita, yeah, when she was uh, giving the presentation about Bible school and talking about her experience, I really loved when she talked about the fact that uh, during her experience in Bible school and when she met Jesus personally, uh, he was no longer just the God of her parents. Uh, he was no longer just the God of uh, her church or of her relatives or of her grandparents. Uh, he was her God. He became her God. And I think that that's so important. And I think uh, Apostle Paul is sort of talking in that same spirit. That, you know, I, I am wanting to make this my own. I want to attain something, achieve something. I want to step into something. I want this to become my new identity. And, um, and a lot of what he's saying is concerning growth. Uh, we're living in, a, in, an, in an unusual time where um, anytime you kind of start to feel a little funny, you always get a little bit worried and nervous. Um, I mean, I have that. Uh, just like a couple days ago, my wife and I, uh, we were just getting ready for bed, and 
I was like clearing my throat a little bit and I was like, <laughs> like I kind of start coughing a little bit and I'm like, am I coughing or am I like thinking that I'm coughing? And I felt a little tickle in my throat. So my wife, she's a respiratory practitioner. So she works at Harborview. Uh, she works in a super busy trauma center and she works primarily in the COVID unit. And so um, anytime I feel a little funny, I'm always like to her like, Hey, listen to my breathing. You know, like, uh, how does this sound to you? Because, I don't know, it sounds a little funny to me. And, um, you know, she's like, oh, it's like, you're fine. You know, like, stop just thinking stuff. And uh, I was like, but, like, like, feel my forehead. You know, it just feels like, I feel like there's a little bit of, like, warmth there. And she's like, yeah, you've been, like, sitting out in the sun all day. It's going to feel a little warm. I'm like, I don't know, though, like, and so, but anyway, like, so I have that sometimes, and I feel like any time you experience a little bit of a condition, you always get a little bit nervous, because, I mean, COVID has been devastating, you know, I, I know, like, I know for us, like, we're like, oh, it's the scamdemic, and, you know, it's all, but a lot of people have been impacted by COVID, a lot of people have been sick, and many of us have lost loved ones, and that's just the reality. Um, a friend of mine was recently telling me about an emergency room visit that he had. Uh, he said, um, our son, uh, young, I think probably seven years old, our son was starting to feel really sick. And so we waited a day or two before we, uh, you know, took any type of action because we're like, you know, we'll give him some uh, Tea made from raspberries, you know, Malina Chai, the number one remedy in the Slavic community. And like, we'll give them some of that and we'll see if that, if that helps. And so, I mean, they, they're wonderful parents, really great parents. And they took really good care of him. Uh, but they're like, it started to get bad. And we got really, really nervous. And so he, he said, we decided to take him to the emergency room. Um, like, not like urgent care, you know, because like urgent care, it's, you know, you're kind of in and out. They're like, you know, ER. It was late at night. Urgent care is closed. It felt pretty serious to us at this point. He's had a fever for two days. Like, you know, what do we do? And so they took him to the ER. They're obviously really worried about him because, you know, they love him. It's their son. And so they take him to the ER, and they're wait and there's ERs packed. ER is absolutely packed. I mean, there's so many people in the emergency room. And he's like, we probably sat there for a good two hours. He's like, the moment you walk into the ER, you're having a bad experience. Like, we came up to the intake uh, nurse and we're like, hey, like, this is my son. He's not feeling well. His fever is at like 100, you know, whatever. He's not feeling good. Can you guys take him in? And, she's, and she, was, she felt like, uh, mom and dad both felt like the intake nurse wasn't super um, responsive to their concerns. And she's like, you know, we'll take down your name. Please be seated. And you know, it's going to take a while. And he's like, indeed, it took a while. I mean, it was hours before someone finally took us uh, in to see, like, the doctor. But he's like, and then it wasn't even the doctor. Like, we, we saw, like, another nurse. And uh, this nurse comes in, and she starts, you know, talking to us, asking us a bunch of questions. At this point, we've been there for so long, we were just exhausted. And he said, then it got really bad. Uh, the nurse, she uh, asked my son to step on the scale. And uh, my son, he, like, steps on the scale, and she starts taking down his weight. And he's like, and I'm really frustrated at this point. They're not addressing the fever. And then they start measuring his height. And at that point, I just lose it. And I say to her, I said, what are you doing? We have literally been here for hours. And here you are checking my son's weight and his height. 
I'm here because my son isn't feeling well. And uh, he shared something with me that I thought was pretty enlightening. Uh, he shared with me the nurse's response. The nurse said, sir, I hear what you're saying. The fever, it's concerning. But the fever is a symptom. Uh, we have your son's medical records. Every time your son comes into the hospital, we're going to check his weight and his height. Because we want to make sure that he's growing. Because if your son is not growing, that's indicative of a bigger problem. She said, because your son's health is directly related to his growth. If your son stops growing, he stops being healthy. Because health is directly related to growth. And so why don't we step out of the doctor's office for a moment and walk into the church. I just want to repeat that for you one more time. Your health is directly related to your growth. If you're in a place in your life where you feel like your spirit might not be super healthy. My spirit isn't in the healthiest place that it's been. Tonight I want to ask you this. Are you growing? Have you grown? Just like this little young man who had to step on the scales because the doctor had to make sure that he's growing because a fever sucks. That's a problem. A headache, that's horrible. But for a person that's developing, health is directly related to growth. Friend, and that same truth applies to you tonight. If you are not growing, then you are not healthy. It is the expectation of God that you would grow. It was always God's design and desire for your life that you would grow. He never wanted you to stay in the elementary levels of your salvation. And many of us, that's where we're at. And I mean, it's great. It's wonderful knowing that you're saved. That is such a powerful, wonderful truth. You know you're saved. Amen. That is so great. But friend, it was never God's design for your life. For you to stay in the elementary levels of your salvation. It was always God's plan for you to grow. God always intended for you to grow. But a lot of us, that's not our focus. Like I get saved and I just kind of start doing church stuff and like it's great and then I'll have kids, a family and your spirit needs to be growing because your health is directly related to your growth. So why aren't you growing? Uh, that's what I want to talk about tonight. I've titled uh, the sermon this evening, uh, Growing Pains. Uh, and that's the question I want us all to ask ourselves and answer for ourselves tonight. Why am I not growing? So, uh, before we identify the root cause, a lot of us, we like to make excuses for why we don't grow spiritually. Right? A lot of us, we like to make excuses for why we're not growing. I think probably uh, the first excuse that most of us like to make, or at least be tempted to make, is, uh, like, my church just isn't spiritual enough. 
Like we love to blame our church for our lack of growth. Friend, if you're not in a place in life where you're uh, praying deeper prayers, where you're communicating with God on a more personal level, where you are able to take on challenges that you weren't able to take on before in life, then you're not growing. And you may be tempted to blame your church. Like, oh man, like the sermons, they're just not cutting it for me. Like I'm not growing because the sermons aren't super good. I'm not growing because the worship isn't deep enough. The worship isn't spiritual enough. But friend, tonight I am here to remind you that the church is the sum of its parts. Like sometimes you and I will come to church like, man, that was a weak prayer. Well, you weren't praying. Like that prayer was just no good, but you didn't pray. Like you were not praying. The very definition of the church is the collective body. The sum of its parts. You and I, we make up the church. Like, that was such a sad prayer. Your prayer was sad. Like, that was such a superficial service. That's because you're superficial. Like, the service wasn't great because you didn't come prepared to receive what God had to give. Like, man, the worship, like the worship, it just, it wasn't deep enough. Well, you just didn't go deep enough. It wasn't the worship team, it was you. It was you. You know, I don't like my church because people aren't getting saved in my church. When is the last time you brought a non-believer to the house of God? But it's always the church's fault. The church, they're the problem. Well, you are the church. And if the church is the problem, then you and I, we're the problem. Like people aren't getting saved in my church. That's because you're not inviting them. They would be getting saved if you invited them. They're not getting saved because we're not inviting them. It's as simple as that. And those frustrations, they're not with an organization, like the church is an organization. Those frustrations, they're with ourselves. So why aren't you growing? Oh, it's my church. It's not your church. It's not your church. It's not your leaders. It's not the sermons. A lot of it is you and I. Jesus said, before we talk about what Jesus said, uh, <clears throat> I, love, uh, I love cooking shows. Uh, huge fan of cooking shows. Uh, that's probably, I, I actually may have shared this with you recently, but that is probably one of our favorite things to watch together with my wife. I mean, we just like to watch people cook. Uh, I don't know if that's weird. Does anyone here like cooking shows? Like you enjoy watching people Okay, so a couple people, a few people, we love cooking shows, um, and we love to cook. We love to cook together, and we love to learn, like, how to cook, like, cooking techniques and recipes. I was, uh, I was watching a presentation a while back that I thought was super fascinating, and it was some of the best chefs in the world being interviewed on a panel. Uh, and I thought it was fascinating, and uh, most of these chefs were from, guess what country? Oh, come on. You guys are not. Come on. Guess just guess what country? Moldova? No, I said, I said best chefs. Like <laughs> best chefs. <laughs> no, I, I don't want to clown. Mexico? So that's a good guess. No, Moldovians cook good food. Mexicans cook good food. Um, <laughs> all great foods. But, but generally, who's generally considered the best chefs in the world? From what country? Not Italy. Not Italy. Yeah, Pastor Pavel. He's spot on. Uh, 
we were actually, we had uh, a really good lunch at his house when we were in California. These people know how to cook. So he knows uh, the best chefs in the world are generally regarded as coming from France. And most of the people on this panel were French chefs. And the last question of the night I thought was super fascinating. Last question of the night, um, and a person from the audience stands up and comes up to the, to the microphone and says, um, what would you say is the most important ingredient in making a meal taste amazing? That was the question. What would you say? Because there's a lot of ingredients. There's thousands of ingredients. A lot of spices and flavors. and right. But they're like, what would you say is the number one most important ingredient that makes every meal taste good? The number one thing. And they all kind of sat there. Like I was expecting everyone to kind of like be like, oh, that, that, that. But they sat there. And they all just sat there quietly like as if they'd never been asked that question before. And they all kind of start turning to one another and just kind of start talking with one another. And literally, they're just like sitting there having a a consultation where they're just like, well, what do you think? And they're all just whispering and the audience is sitting there silently like on the edge of their seats. What is this like one ingredient? And finally, one of the chefs, he's like, I'll tell you the, the greatest ingredient to making any meal incredible. And he's like, we talked and we all agree. The number one ingredient is hunger. That is the number one ingredient to making every meal taste special, to making every meal satisfying. Yo, if you're coming to church and you're like, that sermon didn't feed me or that worship didn't satisfy me or that prayer wasn't good enough, you're already full. You're already full of yourself You're already full of your problems. You're already full of your weak. You're already full of your mess. You're already full. If you come to church and you're like, I feel like I'm not being fed at my church. Friend, you are missing the number one ingredient. You're missing hunger. And you know what? Jesus said it before the French chefs. He said, blessed are the hungry because they will be what? They will be satisfied. They'll be fulfilled. The desires of their heart will be met. And so so if you're in a place where you're like, I'm not growing spiritually. And I'm coming to church and I feel like I'm not growing in church. The cause of this, the number one cause of this, is you're just already full. Like we're full of our sin. We're full of our problems. We're full of our pride. We're full of our own ambitions. We're full of our egos. But it's so easy to say, man, the youth leader, he, did not, he, just, he didn't preach a good sermon. The worship team, they weren't very prepared. The prayer was weak. It's not them. The problem isn't on the outside. The problem isn't here. Uh, the second reason or the second thing that often prevents you and I from growing is past progress. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, Apostle Paul says this, I am forgetting what lies behind, and I am straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. The reason a lot of us aren't growing is because we feel like we've already grown. We feel like we've already grown. 
A lot of us, we live on our past experiences. We live on the experiences and the moments that we shared with Jesus at one point. There was a time. How many of us are still talking about a camp that we went to three years ago? And like, well, that was the camp to be at. Or the conference that we went to last summer. Like that. Like I would grow if there were conferences like that every Sunday. Like we let our past experiences stop us from growing. A lot of us, we're still thinking about the day that we got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that was the peak of our growth. Like, we peaked when we got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Friend, that shouldn't have been the end of your growth. That should have been the beginning of your growth. The moment you encounter God and he steps into you and starts to live inside of you and gives you his gifts, that's when you start to grow, not when you stop. But a lot of us, like, that's where we peak. That was the top of the mountain for us. That was it. We look at our past experiences. A lot of us, we're only feeding once a week. right? A lot of us, we just show up on Sunday and we have one service. But God has fresh bread for you every day. I'm thinking about the Israelites wandering in the desert. They're wandering in the desert and they're hungry. And God says, I will give you bread. And he says, I will give you bread every day. And you know what some people started to do is they would come out at Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And they would collect their bread and they would be like, this should last me for the week. And some of them, they just came out Thursday nights at 7.30 and they collected their bread and they're like, well, and this will last me all the way till Sunday. And that's how they collected their bread. And they felt like that would be good, but God said, no, that's a problem. Because the bread, it would spoil. And God said, I am giving you fresh bread. And I want you to go out every day, every morning, and collect fresh bread. This bread wasn't designed to just sustain you once or twice a week. The bread was designed to be fed on every single day. A lot of us, we're just like those Israelites. We come out to collect our manna Sunday morning at 10 a.m. That's when we have church. Uh, So Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And a lot of us, we come out Thursday nights at 7.30 to collect our bread. And that's enough for us. But I believe God is saying no. He's saying I want you to have fresh bread every single day. It was never God's desire for your life for you to spend time in his word once a week. Uh, so I'm in, I'm in seminary right now, and uh, I'm in my doctorate program, uh, getting my doctorate of ministry. I graduate in two months, and I'm really, really excited, and it's been a long journey. I have a master's in theology, uh, and I'm not saying this to be like, oh, look at me. I'm great. I'm saying this. Look at me. Uh, I fail in life. Um, like, I'm getting my doctorate. Like, that, like you, it doesn't go farther than that when it comes to ministry. Two months, uh, I'm going to come back here. You can call me Dr. Olis. You don't have to, but you can. But uh, we were just having a project in my last class. And uh, 
the class was uh, called The Growth of the Contemporary Minister. And it talks about every area of growth that we need to have as ministers. It talks about physical growth. It talks about like being physically fit. It talks about mental and emotional growth, being emotionally healthy. It talks about a lot of things. And then at the very end, it talks about spiritual fitness, being spiritually healthy. Uh, and, you know, uh, the instructor, he posted a discussion. He said, uh, I want all of you in this doctorate program to post one area in life that you want to improve in. And I'm, like, thinking, right when I read the prompt, I was like, come on, we're seminarians. Like, we are getting our doctor. This has been, like, six to eight years of, like, theological, like, immersion. Like, improve. Like, what do you mean improve? And so then I started thinking. And um, a lot of my classmates, also doctorates, many of them pastors of large churches all over America. And uh, they all started sort of posting the same response. They're like, uh, you know, I feed on the Bible uh, to prepare my sermon for Sunday. Or I feed on the Bible when I come to a conference. Uh, The way I want to grow is I want to feed on God's, God's word every single day. I want to spend time with God every single day. Because it's become a task for me. It's just become part of a routine. And I believe that God does not want that for me as a pastor. Some of these people, thousands of members in their churches. And I remember feeling convicted. Because sometimes my wife will be like, hey, Olus, are you reading your Bible? And I'm like, I just preached like three sermons this month. But that's not what she asked. She's not asking how many sermons I preached. She's, she's not asking how many services I went to. She's not asking me if I did the conference or the youth camp. She's asking me if I'm growing as a believer. Am I reading God's word every day? And that's what I'm asking you. I think it's great that you guys are here tonight. But are you growing? I think it's so wonderful that we're all gathered here. We we get to spend this evening with the Bible school. We all get to worship tonight. But are you growing? Look at your life. I know we have a lot of responsibilities, and sometimes, sometimes it's hard to devote time to reading Scripture, right? I mean, you have school, you have work, you have Netflix, and a lot of other important responsibilities in life that prevent you from spending time in God's Word. I mean, we have to maintain our Instagrams, our Facebooks, our Twitters, and our Snapchats. Life is busy for a young adult, right? Come on. Where are my hypocrites at? Amen? We are so busy and there is no time because we need to finish the office for the fifth time. There is no time in our schedule. How many of us are spending time in God's word every day? I'm not growing because the youth leader sermon wasn't. No. Your youth leader spent time preparing that sermon. It was a fantastic sermon. That's not why you didn't grow. Friend, that's not why you didn't grow. Some of us aren't growing because we think we're already grown. We think we've already achieved something. We already think, like Apostle Paul, he's like, I'm forgetting what lies behind. Oh, man, like Apostle Paul forgetting his past accomplishments. At one time, he's like, Pharisees? I am the Pharisee of Pharisees. The Pharisees regularly in church that carries a negative connotation but the pharisees were very accomplished people they reached the top of their class when it comes to knowing the bible he's like a pharisee i am a pharisee of pharisees 
generous? I am so generous. I am a really good person. But I count all of that as nothing. Because I have so much more to reach and so much more to achieve. And a lot of us, we have put out a pause on our spiritual growth. Because we feel like we've already made it. We feel like we've already made it. I remember in Sunday school uh, hearing this like silly little story. It was about uh, an elephant and a flea. And uh, they came to a bridge, a big old elephant. It was one of those bridges that was connected by ropes, one of those swayy bridges. And the elephant comes up to the bridge and there's a flea sitting on his ear. And man, this elephant begins to walk across this bridge and the bridge looks like it's going to collapse. I mean, it is violently shaking. It is trembling. It is absolutely ridiculous. It's completely topsy-turvy. It's going all over the place. And the elephant makes it across. And then the flea is sitting on his ear. And he looks back and he says to the elephant, he says, man, we really shook that bridge, didn't we? We really shook that bridge. A lot of us, that's us. Like we're like, man, we really, we've already made it when it comes to our spiritual life. We have accomplished great things when it comes to doing work for God. We look back at our story and we're like, man, we really shook this world for the kingdom of God. For many of us, that's actually not true. For many of us, that's actually not true. So uh, how do you grow? Vitaly, uh, do you do like keys like towards the end of a sermon? Is that something that you're gifted in? All right, let's team up, brother. Just whenever you're ready, yeah. Uh, growth, it's a process. It's a very simple process. Uh, a lot of us, we want to speed up our growth. We want our growth to happen quickly. Right? I remember when I met Jesus personally, I really loved the way Margie presented that. When, when he became my God, I want to start using that. Is that okay if I start using that? That was really good. When Jesus became my Lord... I remember uh, I got saved in a small prayer meeting on a weeknight. And I met Jesus and uh, I met him personally for the first time in my life at 17 years old. Uh, it's wonderful if uh, you love the God of your parents. That's wonderful. But you as an individual, you have to meet God personally. Amen, yeah? We all agree with this. You have to know God personally. You can't just know him through someone. He wants a personal relationship. He doesn't want to be an acquaintance like I know him through them. He wants to know you personally. I remember when I had that moment where I met God personally, uh, I wanted to become Billy Graham. I'm saying Billy Graham because Vitaly talked about Billy Graham. I wanted to become the next evangelist, the next. I wanted to become like, I was ready to start pastoring my church and my friend's church and everybody's churches. I got so on fire for God. I was like, this is it. I wanted it to happen fast. But we have to know that spiritual growth, it's a process. And it happens over time. Uh, my wife makes really, I already talked about her cooking. She makes really good borscht. Probably the best borscht I've ever had in my life. Mom, if you're watching, your borscht is good too. But she makes, my wife makes probably the best borscht I've had in my life. Especially the green one. 
Chevelle, man. All right. And I'll tell you something. When my wife makes borscht, um, she makes a big pot. And the next day you want borscht, I learned a deep truth. Sometimes I'll put this borscht into a bowl. And I'll put it in the microwave. And I'll zap it for like a minute. And I just stand there watching it spit in the microwave, waiting for it to heat up. After about 48 seconds, I see tiny little bubbles on top and steam come off the top of my bowl. And I pop open the microwave. I bring my borscht to the table. I have my smetana. And I dip into the borscht and I take the first bite. Look, it's cold. It's so cold. It's like uncomfortably cold. I don't like it one bit. But on the surface, but on the outside, it looked ready. It was simmering on top. There was steam coming off the top. My borscht was on fire. Come on, who am I talking to? Who am I talking to? Man, I'm ready. Maybe on the surface. Maybe on the surface you look ready. You're on fire. On the surface, you are on fire for God. You are ready to go. You are ready to roll. But that's just on the surface. You know your life. You know your struggles. You know your insecurities. And I'm not saying you have to reach a place of perfection. But you have to reach a place of growth. And it takes time. It's a process. Speaking of time, I've already used up most of mine, but I'm just going to give you a quick, simple recipe. I like to call it the three D's of growth. Uh, people who train, like in the gym, they know the three D's of growth. Uh, people that run, they know the three D's of growth. People that do a lot of like academic work, they know the three D's of growth. Have any of you heard of a runner's high? A runner's high? I've heard of it. I've never experienced it. I've heard of it. Uh, essentially what a runner's high is, there are people that can run like 20 miles. Right? People that can run 20 miles. And I know some of you are sitting there thinking, I can't run like 20 feet. You know what I mean? But there are people who can run 20 miles. And they always say the same thing. They say the way I can run 20 miles. There comes a point where my body starts to give up, when I feel like I can't keep going, and I step into or run into what's called the runner's high. It's like a second energy and it is so much powerful, so much more powerful than the first. And here's how it happens. If you want to grow in any area of life, it starts with the first D. It starts with discipline. If you want to grow in your faith, friend, you need discipline. Your life needs to be disciplined. If you want to be a good runner, you have to discipline yourself to start running. If you want to be a good uh, preacher, you have to discipline yourself to start learning how to preach. If you want to be a good athlete or basketball player, you have to discipline yourself to do these things. It all starts with discipline. Uh, one of the best things I think about Bethany Bible School 
is these people are in an incredible season of discipline in their lives right now. They are in a season of discipline. When they all started, I don't remember which week it was, but I, I was following them on Instagram before I went out there to teach. And I saw that within like a day or something, they had to read the entire New Testament. Is that, is, did that happen? Was that, I didn't just imagine that. Was it one day or two days? One day, in one day. Some of you are like, man, I can't get through the New Testament. I'm already 21 years old. In one day, they read the entire New Testament. It starts with discipline. And I saw videos of them doing it too. They're literally just like sitting there in the zone, going through the, from Matthew to Revelation, the entire thing in one day. Discipline. Five days a week, they are studying under some of the best teachers that teach the Bible. Five days a week. In the evenings, they're performing outreaches and doing ministry work and doing other things in the evenings. On Sundays, they're leading services. On Saturdays, they're doing other things. These people are immersed in a crash course on what it means to grow as a believer. It starts with discipline. But then there comes the second stage of growth. And I'm sure many of them are in this stage right now. There comes the season where it stops being just something that is a discipline. It becomes a desire. It's no longer just a discipline. It's a desire. Like for the runner, he wakes up in the morning. He's like, man, I want to go running. Like I actually want to go running. I had to make myself run. But now I actually want to be running. It started with discipline. Now it's a desire. And for many of them, I think they're probably in that season of life where they're like, man, I want to do this. Like I want to learn more. I'm excited about this. I want to read the Bible. I want to pray. I want to worship. I want to tell people about Jesus. I want to share my testimony. It went from discipline and it became a desire. And then there comes a moment in your life, in your spiritual growth, where it's no longer just the discipline, where it's no longer just the desire, where it has become your delight. It's no longer just the discipline, no longer just the desire. It has become a delight. When you begin to delight in the Lord, where you begin to delight in Him, in your relationship with Him, where you begin to delight in His Word, where you begin to delight in those moments where you get to worship and seek Jesus through these special moments, it becomes a delight for you. And I think many of them are in this season right now. And I know that there are many of you that are in this season right now. But many of you probably haven't even stepped into the season of discipline. And that is my encouragement for you tonight. Yesterday we were at UFGPC and uh, I shared with them that when we talked with Pastor Pavel about me joining them on this uh, tour of churches, um, Pastor Pavel never asked me to like plug the Bible school, like, hey, like make an advertisement for the Bible school. I just think this program is so incredible. I think that if you're in a place in life where you're like, I want to grow, I want to grow, join Bethany Bible School. It will be one of the best decisions that you make. It will be. The sense of community, the friendships, all of those things are awesome. But the level of growth that you experience in these several months 
where you are immersed, learning about God, falling deeper in love with Him, irreplaceable, irreplaceable. It's five months. And this is coming from someone, I'm 33 years old, I'm still in school. I'm 33 years old, I'm still in school. I am literally spending thousands upon thousands of dollars on school. Because I think it, sometimes people ask me, like, hey, what are you going to do with your doctorate in theology? Like, Ministry doesn't pay that well. But I just want to know more about God. When I have an opportunity to share the gospel with someone, I want to make sure that I'm saying the right things. I want to make sure that when someone comes to me and asks me for counsel, I want to make sure that I'm saying the right things. I want to make sure that I'm speaking truth and life into their lives. Not just, I hope you feel better. I want to make sure that I know what I'm doing. I just, I do. And I love that there are programs like this where young people can come and spend five months full time every single day experiencing God and learning more about Him on a very practical, real level. Can we all stand together? Uh, can we all just spend a few moments in prayer? Let's just spend a few moments. There's one more thought that I want to share with you. But can we all just close our eyes, bow our heads, and spend a few moments in prayer together? You don't have to pray loudly. You don't have to pray quietly. Let's just spend time in the presence of God together. Hallelujah. Very often, when we have these types of services, uh, the preacher holding the microphone will do what's called an altar call. And uh, it's usually right around this time where I would ask people to come to the altar so that we could pray together. Um, Altar calls are important because it's in those moments where I ask the listener to make a decision. To make a decision, maybe it's to follow Jesus to recommit their life to Christ, to repent, whatever that decision may be. Tonight, uh, I'm going to ask you to commit to growth. You don't have to come to the altar to make that decision. But tonight, I'm going to ask you to make that decision, to commit to growth. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but tonight... There are people in this room that I want to commit to reading their Bible every single day. I want somebody to make that type of commitment tonight. That I'm going to commit to reading my Bible every single day. I want there to be people in this room that are going to make the commitment to pray every single day. Praying at church just isn't enough. Praying before your meals just isn't enough. Really getting down on your knees with Jesus and spending time with Him. 
commit to that tonight. Tonight, there are people in this room that I want to commit to learning more about God, to really immersing themselves in that. And I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe it's going to a Bible college somewhere. Maybe it's signing up for seminary. Maybe it's signing up for Bethany Bible School. Maybe that's what that commitment looks like to you. But make that decision tonight that you will grow, that you will not be satisfied, that you will stay hungry for the Lord, that you will grow, that you will pursue Him, and that you will grow. Ah, oh, come on. I am praying that this would be a hungry generation, a generation that is desperate for God, a generation that is, like, I mean, we love to like have our conferences and all that, but a generation of young people that will pursue Jesus in their private lives, not just publicly, but in their bedrooms, on their knees, with their Bibles open. That's what the world needs. That's what this world needs needs. So make that commitment. Heavenly Father, that is our prayer tonight. That there would be people in this place, young people in this place, that would commit to deepening and strengthening their relationships with you. I bless you and I praise you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, for this experience that we all got to share together. I thank you, Lord, that your spirit was present. I thank you, Lord, for the youth at SCC. I thank you, Lord, for the wonderful work that you are doing here. I thank you for their leadership team. I thank you for the young men and women that serve all of the youth that come through this ministry. I thank you, Lord, for Bethany Bible School. I pray, Lord God, that you would continue to be with them. I pray, Lord, that this ministry may continue to flourish, that it may overflow with young men and women that are desperate for you, that are hungry for growth, that want to deepen their personal relationship with their God. Not somebody else's God, but with their God. That is our prayer tonight. And we pray all of these things in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. And all together in agreement we said, Amen. God bless you.